Good morning, comrades, and uh, welcome to another week of uh, Workers' Power here on uh, 4ZZZ, where you're... I'm Bill. I'm Jackson. I'm Calypso. And I'm Dan. Today on the show, we've got plenty of workers' action, but we've also got special guests from the Young Workers' Hub coming in. And, of course, uh, we will finish off with the world-famous Scallywag of the Week. Now, this one... This one, the team have been working away on it and it brings a bit close to home for me. So, fantastic choice, comrades. Right, so, but uh, stick around for that, for that at the end of the show. All right, first up, well, we, as always, we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which we broadcast, the Yuggera and Turrbal people. This land was stolen, never ceded. We pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. We also acknowledge all First Nations comrades listening today. We stand in solidarity with First Nations people in their struggles for recognition, reparation and land rights. We live and benefit on a stolen land. It's time to pay the rent. Now, I've got a, just a quick one here for your comrades. I had a young, a 12-year-old comrade who came and asked me, oh, Dad, Dad, can, can I get the... Well, I gave it away who it was there, didn't I? <laughs> Dad, Dad, can I get acknowledgement of country? And I'm like, well, mine's going to be different from yours. I think you're old enough you've got to go and work out your own. So do you think I was being a bit harsh there? He's got to go and, he's got to go and research his own and write his own that's going to uh, um, suit his, his school because... I don't think at school he's going to be able to say uh, we live and benefit on stolen land. Should be he should, though. He should. Well, I'll leave that up to I him. I don't see why not. They said that at my school. Well, good. That's good. Yeah. Right, well, we should move on anyhow, but uh, we, we should always uh, be acknowledging uh, the traditional owners uh, whenever we start something, um, which is... Uh, just good practice, praxis, isn't it, comrades? Okay, and we'll move on to our First Nations workers action. Oh no, bad news. Uh, who's going to talk us? Can I, I? I've got this up in big screen, so it's probably best I read that that uh, um, media statement um, uh, over a fatal police shooting of their own son, Stanley Ro Ro Russell. This comes from Ted Russell. Uh, we are shocked and appalled by the shooting by New South Wales Police of our second son, Stanley Russell, yesterday morning when he was inside his Auntie Pam's, Pam's house in Seven Hills. It looks like the police who entered Pam's house gave Stanley no chance to survive because of how they shot him in his chest at close range. Neighbours say they heard four or five shots all inside the house. We found out about the killing of our son Stanley when we were watching the news. For shame. Pam told us about hearing shots inside her house soon after police told her to go outside. Pam said that when the police arrived, Stanley had only recently woken up. We have heard that the police who went to Pam's house say they had an arrest warrant for Stanley. There is a very big difference between an arrest warrant and shooting a man at close range inside a house when he had no means of escape. Stanley's older brother, Edward Russell, died in Long Bay Jail in December 1999 because the New South Wales prison system failed completely in its duty of care to Edward. 
We have already been to hell and back during the investigation into Edwards' very avoidable death in custody. Now we have to go through the same pain and trauma all over again because police failed in their duty of care to Stanley. For 30 years we have struggled to help stop Aboriginal death in custody. We have now lost both our sons in New South Wales custody because the Royal Commission's key point about ensuring an active duty of care has been repeatedly ignored. There are many questions about the very avoidable killing of our son Stanley by police that we will seek to have answered through the coronial inquest. It is terribly painful for us to learn suddenly that we will never see Stanley's smile again. His children will suffer from never seeing him again. We will keep going in our struggle for our for justice to ensure that deaths in custody must stop. So that came from you know uh, pretty close, uh, you know, to, you know the victims' parents. You know, no, no parents should outlive their children. No parents should have to find out their kids dead by hearing it on the news. Yes, no, no, it should, it shouldn't, yeah. <laughs> They've failed in many duties of care here, haven't they? You know, it's uh, uh, not good. And then, and then um, we've got another one here, Jackson. Yeah. So protesters hit the streets on anniversary of Gomery Man's death in custody. This comes to us uh, from Sarah Collard on NITV News. The family, the family of Gomery man Mark Mason Sr. has hit the streets of Sydney to call for independent investigations and accountability for First Nations deaths in custody on the 11th anniversary of his death. Mr Mason was shot dead by New South Wales police in his home in the northwest New South Wales town of Colleranebury on in 2010 with an investigation clearing the officers involved. Two other Aboriginal men have died in custody this week. A Gomorrah man shot dead on Tuesday and a 26-year-old man died in Cessnock Prison on Sunday. Mr Mason's daughter Darlene was flanked by supporters and family members at New South Wales Parliament House. Today it's been, uh, to quote, Today it's been 11 years since the police shot and killed our father and we still got no justice, Miss Mason told the crowd. When is it going to stop? for our people it never stops we're still fighting today miss mason called for accountability and independent inquiries into all deaths in custody to quote to gain justice it requires more accountability more charges against officers and real investigation there is no way that police investigating police is a fair process she said Marawari and Budgety elder and activist Bruce Shillingsworth said the rate of Indigenous people dying in custody is a national shame. To quote, by killing our people, the genocide and the over-incarceration of our mob in jails, let us stand together and let us fight together, he told the crowd. Supporters and advocates of all ages carried Aboriginal flags, wore t-shirts bearing the faces of those who had died in custody and held signs as they called on the government to stop preventable deaths. Since the Royal Commission handed down its findings in 1991, more than 470 First Nations people have died in custody. For a shame. Mm. Uh, it's a bit... bit uh, who, 
It's quite a common theme. That, that's what I was getting at here in uh, work, um, First Nations Workers Action. We're always reporting on uh, black deaths in custody and those fighting back uh, against it. Uh, um, you know, con- you know, perpetual governments over the last thirty years have uh, failed to act on the um, on the findings of the Royal Commission, and here we are. We're still here thirty years later. And it won't be the last time we report on this. Um. Definitely not. No, no. And uh, we'll, we, we, we will keep bringing the hard stories, though. Um, that's, that's what we do here at uh, Workers' Power, and uh, this is still a problem um, for, for many uh, of our comrades uh, who, um, you know, fear, fear those blue and red lights. To, to me, I, you know, I'm, I'm just worried I'm going to get a fine. Some people worry they're going to lose their life. You know, and it's not good enough in 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 our country. So, in any country, in it, yeah, that's exactly right. In any anywhere in the world, so um, not good. You know, shot in in your home by you know, coppers just coming to pick you up when an arrest warrant. You Point know, blank. Yeah. Oh, they'll investigate themselves again. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's the that's the thing, and part of the anxieties of, of, of survivors is you know that that they're investigating themselves. You know, there's no accountability, there's no duty of care. Um, it's just not good enough. And welcome back to uh, Workers Power here on Four Triple Z. Uh, where you're with Bill and I've got Calypso in, in the studio with me and uh, uh, because we've got a, a guest uh, joining us, uh, we've got uh, Shay from the uh, Young Workers Hub. Welcome. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's that's, wonderful to be here. Yeah, that's our pleasure. We, we, we're always uh, up for, um, you know, discussions about uh, empowering young workers. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about the Young Workers Hub? Yeah, so the Young Workers Hub was born about three or four years ago as a result of a successful wage theft campaign. So we um, were part of helping make wage theft a crime here in Queensland and consequently we built a an organisation that deals with young workers in three ways. So we run a support line. So if you're having difficulty with your boss, having trouble reading your pay slip, not sure whether you should be getting super, you can give us a ring and we can talk that through with you. The second thing we do is we run educational sessions. So around workplace health and safety and the same thing, workers' rights. So people know what they're obliged to do, what they can expect from their boss and where to go for help. Awesome. And then those two things inform what young people need and what we should be advocating for. So then we can campaign around that for them as well. So before wage theft was a crime, bosses could straight up steal your wages and get away with it? Yeah, so you, could, you couldn't get on a bus without the bus fare. You would have to pay for your milk and bread, but bosses were uh, legally okay to not pay your penalty rates pay you below the minimum wage, pay all sorts of things that they... or miss paying a whole range of things uh, intentionally. And that's stealing. That's wage theft. So, yeah, so um, Queensland now has wage theft is a crime, um, Victoria, and I think um, the other states hopefully are set to follow. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's right. And, uh, you know, th- th- there's plenty of examples out there, like uh, um, the flat rate across seven days a week, you know, oh, that's all you get here. And, uh, um, yeah, th- th- there's there's plenty of, of uh, yeah, outright theft, you know, um, um, let alone using old zombie agreements and things like that, you know, as well. But uh, also I-, I heard you mention super. That one must be a bit easier now with uh, new legislation. Yeah. You know, um, that all workers now get paid uh, over eighteen, is it? Over eighteen, yeah. Which is still we still yes. got a bit to go there. Yes, but, uh, that that that's a step in the right direction, isn't it? That was really welcomed, yeah. <laughs> and um, in terms of getting your super back, that is actually more streamlined as well. So you can actually, if you're a young worker who thinks you're missing super, you can ring ATO and have them chase that for you. So it's um, much easier. <laughs> In so, that way. so young yeah. workers, they're, they're in their, their, their first job, they're, they're checking out their first pay slip um, and they've got a couple of questions. We want the number and we'll, we'll, all, all the contact details and we'll remind everyone again during, a couple of times during the, uh, uh, the, the interview. How do they get in touch with Young Workers Hub? Yeah, so the easiest way for young people is to get on Instagram and follow us at, uh, at YWHub. Yep, so Young Workers Hub. We also have a website and there's a place where you can email us or phone us. Um, I'm uh, obviously a bad colleague because I've forgotten the um, advice line. (laughs) But that's how you do it. Find us on the email, find us on the website, find us on our socials. And that's a good way to see um, what we're up to and be informed on stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, and 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 so uh, you you you've got a uh, like a, a call center there or something, do you? That like first responders for industrial advice, do you? So my colleague and I man the phone from Monday to Wednesdays. We just work part time, um, and we'll follow up your um, situation. Yeah, so we'll we'll take that call and um, assess your situation, get some more details, and yeah, then help you out. All right, I've got the hotline here. Oh four four eight six eight one 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 six. That's oh four four eight six eight one 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 six. Or you can email hello at ywhub.org.au. Or you just go to Google, chuck in Young Workers Hub, like I did, and it all comes up. Um, and and they they can and you know call someone who who's going to Monday to Wednesday. Yep. And um, so. So what are, what are some of the common themes that you get in the calls? Uh, lots around wage theft. Uh, certainly that's still a big issue, managing that for workers. We also have um, some workplace injuries as well and help people navigate work cover, which can be overwhelming as well. Um, what else do we have? Sometimes young workers just ring to find out... Um, like whether they are or are being are or aren't being bullied you know because that can be quite insidious so sometimes we just inform them on on what it looks like and if if that's what they're experiencing what to do next mm, yeah, so those some of the are the old, common themes some of the older workers and know how to more to graph the game than some of the younger ones and it'd be hard to tell whether you're actually being bullied and harassed you know that's right yeah. especially, especially when you've Especially if you were being uh, bullied by someone higher up than you. If you're young in the workforce and your manager tells you something, you believe them. Absolutely. Absolutely. This one example was um, this young woman, she was only 15 or 16, working at a cafe. And she just wanted to know, like, 
it's always her that's cleaning the bathrooms. She's always sent out to the back to clean the bathrooms, even though it's shared work. You know, those types of things can be hard to navigate when you're 15 or 16 and you're, you need your hourly rate, but also you don't know whether you're being targeted or, you know, uh, discriminated against sometimes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Give the young one all the crappy jobs. Um, yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, yeah. which in term is a form of harassment. If it's not, a, it's not a shared workload. It it can be. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, yeah. Ca- it can be a, a a form of harassment. You know. All right. So so they're some of the common themes and 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 um, what. Um, how, how do you steer them? You know, what what sort of resources can you uh, pass them on to? And <coughs> pardon me. Yeah, we can refer them to a union. Uh, we can refer them to other possible <coughs> services. There's a range of counselling. Uh, sometimes they might like to take it up uh, with the Human Rights Commission, depending on their complaint. We can help them with that. Yeah, so there's a whole range of um, possibilities. But certainly, yeah, referring to a union is was one of our. Now, I, I, I would dare to say that uh, b- mainly because of the age and, and, and the industry itself, there, there'd be a lot of uh, space within hospitality. So uh, um, is, is that is that a, a correct assumption? And um, h- how are you finding things as, it, as it's opening back up again? Yeah, uh, certainly uh, just before... COVID, we were getting a lot of calls from a particular, um, from a lot of workers who work for Mantle Group and um, the Courier Mail did a, a big expose on them and then after COVID it all went quiet but we've been hearing more and more from the those people since. So a particular theme of a particular um, hospitality group who is underpaying their workers, experiencing wage theft, being charged for breakages. So we we have these common themes. So then, well, that informs whether we'll run a campaign, and and that's where we take it from there. I've seen those signs. I was I was in an establishment in town. This is years and years ago, and I've seen the sign: staff will pay for breakages. And I I was like, I was outraged. Yeah. And I and I said to them, I, I was there as a customer. I said, well, look, first things first, mate, get rid of that sign. And they're like, what? What? No, that's not no concern of yours. Yes, it is. I'm a customer, and that is totally illegal. Remove that sign now, mm. or or I'm not going to eat my lunch here. Or or we don't like you. Know, they ended up getting rid of me because you know I'm someone who stands up for other workers. It's it's yes. a it's a disgraceful pa- uh, you know practice, isn't it? It is, and it's also a real challenge organising around hospitality because it's, it is um, not. Uh, a heavily unionised workforce, let's say, and it's not... um, Because they're all different shift workers, they're often in vulnerable groups, and sometimes, like, often the case, hospo workers love, love, love hospo. Like, they really love going to work and being there for their people, so they don't make a nuisance. Yeah, so we are having a challenge organising them, but we're going to keep at it. And that one, uh, dare I say, that one would have had also a problem with um, English as a second language as well. Possibly, yeah. And then the fear, yeah. 
Yeah, the fear that you're going to lose your job yes. and some of the stuff that we've been hearing uh, quite recently with the United Workers Union and their, the the migrant workers and what, the way they're getting threatened with, oh, you'll be sent back home and and you, 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 your family honour will be disgraced. So there's, there's, yes. there's, 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 there's many levels to it, isn't there? That's right. Yeah. That's right. I think um, in the news recently we had a big win for farm workers. They now have to be paid minimum wage. But it, it doesn't deal with that power power imbalance, that they're out regionally working and doing that fruit picking because um, of the visa requirements. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 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 So, uh, so I, I should have asked at the top, what, what classifies a young worker? Because I'm a young worker too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but what, what in your eyes, what, what classifies a young worker? Uh, if you're in your first job, so probably about 14 or 9 months, up to, up to 30, we'll take your call. But we don't actually check really too closely. Yeah, because there could be someone straight out of uni who, you know, like, you know, say they're 22, 23, first ever job. Oh, that's good that you do that, you know, because the the naivety is there. I had a uh, woman in her 60s say, do you check payslips for a living? Can I send you mine so we can read so you can read it for me? Help me translate it. So, yeah, it's not necessarily a young workers thing, you know. We will, but that's that's where we focus our attention because they're the vulnerable ones. And and what what uh, what what's the, the the campaigns that you're working on at the moment? Um, or, or, or yeah, yeah, we'll get what sort of campaigns? Yeah, so right now we're running uh, a survey. So we've got a young pe- people survey on our um, Instagram page and our Facebook. So it's ten questions for young workers. We're just finding out um, what's most important to you. What do you care about? Some of the themes are climate change, um, secure work and wage theft. So the survey is still open. We've had about 300 responses, but we hope to get about another 100 more and then we're going to build a campaign around that. Right on. Um, Young workers, particularly uh, young women workers, I would imagine they're quite vulnerable to experiencing sexual harassment in the workplace. Mm. Do you get any calls about that? Um, no, not so far. Uh, but certainly when we're running our education sessions, we can see there's a real appetite. So we um, bring in sexual harassment as a workplace health and safety issue and we just basically explain what it is to them. And then we have some up-to-date statistics on, you know, who it's affecting and it's affecting young people. And, um, yeah, get some interesting stories from that. Um, and and assist them there. But do, you you would be trained at, at, or you've got knowledge of of how because it goes through the work cover. It can it can become a work yeah. cover issue and things like that. So so you, if someone rings up and and their 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 boss has been inappropriate, you you could help out. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We would talk the, them through. Yeah. Good, good, yes. good. They're the ones we're trying to reach out to, you know. That's who, right. You know, those that, that can find a, a voice that they're confident in to, to, to call and, and have that discussion, you know. They might, you know, when we talk about more of bullying and harassment, we'll, we'll, we'll leave sexual harassment aside for a bit, but with the bullying and harassment, sometimes there's some grey areas, you know, where it's just the boss being, you know, 
being a boss, you know, like mm. um, as opposed to uh, you know bullying and harassment. So so there's all degrees and levels, and and uh, and 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 you, you've you've got the uh, knowledge and and, and uh, resources to to chat with workers about that. Yeah, it's ongoing. We want to keep um, being trained. Um, to make sure that we deal with it appropriately. But absolutely, we have a bank of resources to take care of you. And if you find us um, at first, you know, really wanting to get something done and then you started to feel a bit reluctant, like you can give your consent and take it away at any time when you deal with us as well. So mm. that's just so you know. Mm. All we right. will obviously deal with you um, really um, professionally. So that number again is 0448 681 116 or uh, you can email hello at ywhub.org.au. Uh, you, you mentioned wage theft and, and, and I was hinting that it was, you know, a big, 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 uh, big part of, of what you do. Can you uh, uh, talk, talk, talk us through the, the, the complete, you know, campaign um, that you're dealing with in wage theft at the moment? Yeah, so one of the things that we do is we run what's called wage theft checks. So we previously identified that there are particular areas of Brisbane where wage theft is um, rife. Um, Sunnybank Hills is one and the Valley is another. So uh, about a month or two ago, got a group of young activists together and we printed off some flyers and we just go through the Valley and go into each of the cafes and just let all the young people that work there know what the minimum wage is, which is $20.33 now an hour and then our contact details on the back and let them know that wage theft is now a crime. And that's that's the permanent permanent uh, base rate isn't it for a 21 year old 20 dollars yes. yeah so um when, when so you're looking after if you're casual you you, you chuck 25 percent on that is that before or after tax uh i think it's i think it's before that's the before yeah yeah, yeah um and that's that's the bare minimum that that, that, that can pay you but uh, some don't and they they mm. round it down and then don't pay penalty rates you should see the faces of some of the young people when they actually see the amount of money so, so you're that in the, the minimum is, you know. Yeah. You're in the e- educate. Uh, see, we, we, our 4 triple Z motto is uh, agitate, educate, organise, and fantastic. We we live and breathe it here on Workers' Power. So you, you're in the educate mode uh, mm. uh, there because so many workers just don't know their rights. That's right, yeah. And it's a big part of what's going to um, assist them in their working lives. How can you fight for your rights if you don't even know you're getting screwed over? Exactly. Well, it's a wonderful thing thing that you're doing for for young workers, and uh, you know so, some workers would be probably outraged when they find out that they they've got um, uh, they're not getting paid the full full adult rate. So, is that something a bit more long term that you would can campaign for with young workers to get rid of the the uh, what what what's the term even for it? Uh, uh, age, uh, age youth rates youth rates yeah. yeah. We'd certainly look, definitely look at that. Um, That'll be the interesting thing to see if it comes out of the the Young Workers Survey, actually, to see if people actually know that they're getting youth rates and if that's something they want abandoned. Yeah. They're doing the same job, working just as hard. Well, that's exactly right. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, we've they may got, not know they're getting youth rates. That's we've got corporations thing. who rely on it as a business model, exactly. you know. So, and that naivety that comes comes with it as well as, uh, yeah. And uh, but but the beauty of it is, as you mentioned earlier, that that um, stealing from uh, workers is now a crime. That's right. 
Wonderful. It's mm. a bit. It, it's it's a bit more strict down in in Victoria. They got they their their laws were pretty good, but ours yes. are, are quite similar. Or ours are quite similar. And yeah. the amount that some of these bosses are stealing, they would be huge amounts when you consider how many workers that they're stealing it from. Yeah, we've had cases of up to eighteen grand, which is just phenomenal. Imagine being twenty one. That's and, like and robbing a bank. Exactly. That's exactly. a lot of money for that's, a young worker. That's a lot of money for anyone yeah, at yeah. the moment. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, awesome, awesome. And so uh, how do you – what what is the long-term vision for the campaign? That, you know, um, um, more – we always want to – I'm hinting towards direct action here, of course. So <laughs> yeah. more, more handing out flyers and, and protests. More handing out flyers, yeah, the new year. Um, hopefully we'll be able to bring us more – um, I guess social action, yeah. Um, we we'll sort of have a, a young workers conference in the in the background as well. See if we can. It's about gathering people together and, and letting them know their rights, and then having direct action from there. Yeah, there's so much on the agenda for young people in terms of you know the planet, industrial rights, a whole range of things. So. So you, yeah, you not our only, work will never be done. You not only organise in the workplace, you do some um, organising work that's outside the workplace, i.e. climate change and other things that are important to young workers? Um, we do if it, it matters to them. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Well, that's... that's that's good, and uh, you know, like uh, I, I found the young workers. They, they, what matters to them is completely different to what matters to me. So mm. I'm glad that you're giving them the the platform and the voice, and yes. and listening to them. And uh, yeah, because y- y- things were totally different. You know, when I there was page after page after page after page of jobs that you could go for, and these were all career, you know, uh, minded jobs when I left school. You know, like. Uh, um, but now there's, there's there's just not that that uh, direction for work, whether it be apprenticeships, traineeships, um, uh, all these types of things. It's uh, it's more, um, yeah. Work, young workers are just you being utilised as exploitation. Yeah, I mean, one of my first jobs, I was on Seek, and I was like, wow, a marketing job, eighty grand a year. That sounds amazing. No skills required. That's amazing. And it was actually selling waterless car wash at petrol stations for five bucks. Can (laughs) (laughs) read the fine print on Seek. It said up to eighty grand. You're you're going to be hard pressed selling that much waterless car wash. But that's the insidious nature of young people's work. It's just like you know you can be naive and you don't have a booklet. So yeah, you just go for things and sometimes find out the hard way. Well, that um, that twenty dollar an hour figure that you mentioned, twenty dollars eighty or something that it is, it's it's a good figure to have in your mind when you're first looking at your first pay because that's the adult permanent, you know, rate. So. Um, with some awards, like I know the retail award, after six you get another twenty five percent on top of that, so you get another twenty five for the casual rate, twenty five for the for the um, after six. So that that's putting it up to thirty dollars an hour. If you're if you're yes. you know not filler at, at Coles or Woolworths, you're, you you should be on thirty dollars an hour. You know, so and some of these young workers who are fifteen, sixteen, are only getting half that. Exactly. Um, you know, so yeah, yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah, it, it, and then and then we go to um, 
And they're the ones that are doing things right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, often when we're running our education sessions, we do think, wow, like, Gen Z, we don't deserve you. Because <laughs> 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 they are across a lot of the topics, particularly the topical ones, sexual harassment and stuff. Like, they're clear about the, their rights. They just um, they need practice speaking for themselves, you know. Mm. And, and uh, like I kept... I, kept mentioning and, and asking you about resourcing and things like that sometimes it's just oh you give them a call and that's sometimes that that would be a, a lot of what you do i'll give this this these people a call you know like a, yeah you know like in the case of work cover you know putting putting them in touch with with lawyers they're you know the experts you know that are you know well you're probably going to need a lawyer you know sometimes i've just had to be open and honest with a young worker and say look you know that's beyond me i'm you're going to need a lawyer, so you know, mm. even steering people onto the right, right place, you know, um, w- yeah. would be quite a fulfilling part of your role. Yeah, I mean, we really love our job. We had somebody who phoned up who'd been hurt at work, and consequently, the boss had um, had docked the entire previous pay as well. So the first thing first was to refer him to some um, places where he could get food and other assistance, rental assistance. So it's those those types of things, you know, when, yeah. That's good, yeah. I was yeah, able to make a difference to that yeah. young person straight away and deal with what's immediately in front of him and then help him with the rest of the, you know... Yeah, because quite yeah, because quite often uh, someone in that that position could could you know just give up, end up homeless, and uh, and and exactly it could be a, a downward spiral for them. You know, that's right. You know, if they you know, yeah, you're not going to be chasing after. Um, you know, you don't have the energy. If yeah, you, that's if you what have I was to look at. after what you're going to eat, where you're going to stay, whose couch are you going to sleep on tonight? That's that's really stressful, and that takes up all your energy. And then you look at something like uh, maybe some kind of legal battle to to get back the pay that is rightfully yours. You think that's going to take up so much energy? I just don't have the energy to do that. Yes. Yeah. Right. Eh? Well, um, is there anything that we that, that we've missed out that you'd like to talk about? No. No. Um, no. Just thanks we, for your time. And no, yeah. no. It's our pleasure. Thank um, you for coming on. <laughs> and when you when you've got s- some campaigns and and things like that, let us know. You can come on. You're welcome right. to come on. You know, or someone from Young Workers Hub, or yeah. you know, one of the young workers who's brave enough to to come on the show. Uh, right. Um, you know, they're more than welcome. You know, to to come on. As you know, it's a it's a it's a pretty relaxed environment in here. You're, yeah, it's been you, wonderful. You're with com- comrades. So. Uh, Thank you for coming on and uh, and being part of Workers' Power here on 4 Triple Z. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, we're, we're going to head for a track and then we'll be into a Z line. So stick around here on uh, Workers' Power on 4 Triple Z. You're listening to Workers' Power on 4 Triple Z with Jackson. Bill. Calypso. And Dan. Okay, um, we we go. We're going to be talking secure. You're, re- you're ready to go. That's right. On the fourth of November, we visited a real estate agency who had been mistreating one of our members. We provided them with a reasonable list of demands and two weeks to meet them. We were even kind enough to avoid publicly naming them while they had time to consider what we put forward. We can now confirm that the real estate at fault is Little Real Estate in Spring Hill. 
Little Real Estate thought it appropriate not only to ignore our demands, but to not even wait 24 hours before delivering our member a no-grounds eviction notice. Little Real Estate has left our member without a shower since March and without a shower and toilet since August. Fundamentally, Little has failed to uphold its responsibility to provide adequate and livable housing to their tenant. This situation has meant that our member has been forced to live out of a hotel for a number of months now, leaving them severely out of pocket. No one should have to leave their home because their toilet is ripped up on them and then never replaced in working condition. This situation could have been avoided and it is the responsibility of the real estate to make it right. Unfortunately, rather than Little Real Estate taking the opportunity we provided to step up and take accountability for their actions, they have decided to retaliate against our member asserting their rights. While they will claim this eviction is not in retaliation for our member standing up for their rights, it is clear that this is the case. Little Real Estate thinks they can continue walking all over tenants and their rights without any pushback or consequences. As a union, we plan to show them they are wrong. We plan to fight this tooth and nail. Join us this Friday at 10am for the first step of our campaign with a community picket at Little Real Estate and help fight for tenant rights. And the address for that is 50 Leichhardt Street, Spring Hill, Queensland, uh... Postcode four zero zero zero. the whole thing. If you just search up Little Real Estate on Google Maps, uh, it's Little Real Estate Spring Hill. That's where the picket will be happening this Friday, ten a.m. to help uh, this uh, our comrade get some decent housing, <laughs> get 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 a functioning uh, toilet, which seems, which is you know a basic. A human necessity, like well, they they have those in prisons. <laughs> yeah, literally, <laughs> they have this in prison. That's that's the standard. Uh, but they they at least in prison, you don't have to pay rent. They're charging this person rent to live in this place without a without a shower and a toilet. That's ridiculous. And if they're doing yeah. this to one tenant, they're probably doing it to heaps of their tenants and getting away with it. And that has to stop. Right, so um, also, if you can't make it to, uh, on um, Friday or you can't wait till then, there's there's also an action starting tomorrow um, where we we can stand up for the rights of uh, tenants. Uh, little Real Estate uh, it claims they have the company value of accountability and that they take personal responsibility for their commitments, actions and outcomes. The question we have then is why they think it's appropriate to not only render one of their tenants' residents unlivable for months on end, but to evict them within 24 hours of their request for compensation. Well, we believe that the community should get in contact with Little Real Estate and let them know that we expect them to live up to their values. We are calling on all community members concerned with with the struggle for tenants' rights to call Little Real Estate uh, between 9am and 12pm tomorrow to politely remind them that as a community, we believe in the rights of tenants and that we deeply disagree with how they have treated theirs. We ask everyone to avoid aggressive comments or behaviour and to maintain a polite but firm demeanour. We don't need to stoop to petty retaliation like Little has when we have the community on our side. 
for those looking for guidance on what to say or ask or, or an overview of the situation, there's this, been a script provided and you can go to um, a secure um, their Facebook page, which is it stands for South East Queensland Union of Renters. That's tomorrow. But uh, if you can get out on, on Friday, 10, 10 a.m., um, just up the road from the valley here, you know, get out there and uh, support. There's also another way they can support Secure. Oh, it's, oh, it's the same day, too. It's the same day? It's in the evening. In the evening, yeah, Workers Power um, for Triple Z. Uh, we we present a um, Queensland rental crisis gig um, to raise funds for Secure. Um, and uh, we, we've got Coal Falls, Gay Recess, Terranoid and Starvation Orchestra. He'll be playing um, sets. I, I've even got it earmarked that we'll, we'll do short speeches, introductions, comrades. I haven't, I haven't shown you the run sheet, so you've got to write a, a, a short speech each. So we got set times yet, Bill? Yeah, yeah, I've got them just about, you know, uh, you know, all, all organised. So, yeah, the the the, the show starts at about eight pm. So, uh, and get down there, get your tickets. You can go to our um, our Facebook page, and there's a link in the event to uh, st- uh, sticky tickets where you can. Uh, you can um, purchase your tickets. They're only ten bucks. You know that's, uh, uh, and then you know United will have the or Common House will have the the, the bar open. It's only five dollars a drink, and 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 uh, you're raising funds um, to help out the these uh, this co- great community organisation. So yes, come and come and support support the us supporting others um, this Friday night at Common House. Um, yeah. Yeah, so like this is Secure's like first big action that they're taking. It's a pretty exciting thing to see the see a renters union like starting a picket here in Mianjin, and uh, we and it will like it's the start of it's going to be the start of something big. We hope uh, the start of workers uh, work, renters having decent housing and actual power to decide how they live here uh, and uh, to fight against the landlords. And there's no better time. We need it right now yes. uh, with the rental crisis we're in that's only going to get worse. So it's about Yeah, Bris- Brisbane's going to get much, much worse as, as we draw closer and closer to the Olympics uh, uh, where, where all the landlords are gearing themselves up to make maximum profit out of the, out of the Olympics. So we've got that to deal with over the next 10 years as well. Right, uh, we, we we should move on to to um, our next story. Just because we got the, the we've got the perfect song <laughs> laid up, ready to go for for this mm-hmm. one. Um, so Dan, are you good to go for to talk us through the toll warehouse strike? Yeah, toll work, toll warehouse strike. Hundreds of workers across seven toll warehouses will begin indefinite strike action on Monday, the fifteenth of November, which was yesterday. Following the company's refusal to provide secure, fairly paid jobs for workers who kept the company operating during the height of the COVID-19 crisis. Workers have been, workers have been attempting to bargain with toll for more than six months. So far, the company has blocked measures that guarantee workers current conditions in the event of contract changes or site location changes, which are both common occurrences in running a third-party logistics company like toll. Workers want to know that when they're working for toll, they're working for toll. 
If Toll's contract with a company X finishes and starts with company Y, workers shouldn't see a sometimes significant cut to their wages from one week to the next. In October, workers at warehouses in Victoria, New South Wales and South Australia voted in favour of various forms of industrial action, including an indefinite strike. Workers have rejected the company's pay offer between 2.25 and 2.5% per annum. Australia's consumer price index was 3% according to the latest figures from the Bureau of Statistics. United Workers Union National Secretary Tim Kennedy said workers aren't willing to accept what amounts to a wage cut while the cost of essentials keeps skyrocketing. The cost of living keeps rising, but we have huge companies like Toll in the business of suppressing wages for its already low-paid workforce. This contracting out model has made big bucks for third-party logistic companies and brands they service, but it has seen wages slash for workers that have never recovered. At the Kmart Distribution Centre back in 2010, before it was contracted out to toll, workers were earning $32.65. Now, 11 years later, the base rate at the same site doing the same work is $27.53. The continued suppression on wages and exasperated exasperation of insecure work must end. When workers like the workers at Toll, who are turning up through the pandemic to keep society functioning, have to strike for a living wage, it shows that workers in Australia have been forgotten. Something needs to change. Toll worker Norell Young said, we're going on strike for better pay because the cost of living has gone up so much people can't afford to live. We are also fighting for more full-time jobs for our casuals. In these times of insecure work, they deserve job security. We want to move forward, not backwards, and we want the conditions we work on protected so Toll can't just change them if they send us to another site or a third party or open a new shed. There are five warehouses in Victoria, one in New South Wales and one in SA taking part in the protected strike action. Toll provides third party logistics for big brands including Kmart, Nike, Optus, Mondelez, Mondel? how do you pronounce this? Mondelez, I think. At the sites impacted. Action will continue indefinitely until a reasonable offer has been made and will likely have a major impact on supply chain already under strain in the lead-up to the Christmas peak. Yeah, a huge strike. Good on them. It's pretty cool. So that happened uh, yesterday. Uh, Everyone was out uh, striking and they did a good job. Uh, I haven't seen anything about results from it yet, but we'll we'll probably try and keep you updated on anything if it happens it's a it's a um it's applied on on the um uh, uh, on enterprise bargaining as a whole that that uh, you can be working for the same company toll right mm. but you go to a different warehouse and you're on a different rate or even just uh, you stay in the same warehouse, but it gets hired by a different company. And yeah, well, that, yeah, that's what happened to them. Yeah, initially, um, uh, so that yeah, they were working, getting paid thirty-two bucks an hour, working inside, and then Toll took it over, and yep, you got to take yeah, yeah, doing the same work eleven years later for twenty-seven fifty-three, for shame, and going backwards. Uh, uh, so yeah, yeah, good on um, you know the the workers standing up and fighting back. Uh, the, um, 
Yes, uh, you know, two two strikes from two different unions in the same company. That's a pretty fun thing because we had the we had the truckie strike Mm. earlier this year with with Toll, and now we have the strike in the warehouses from the United Workers Union as well. And there's country rogue as well. All these unscrupulous uh, grubs that that. that, uh, you know, want to hire lots of women then and then underpay them. It's just rife in in in, in the um, logistics industry at the moment. Now we are going to move on to some more workers' action, and we've got an update from Blockade Australia. Uh, they have been going. We we reported on them last week with their first action uh, from an indigenous guy who blocked a train line uh, for a while down in Sydney, near Sydney, uh, at the world's largest coal port. Uh, Newcastle, yeah. Newcastle, okay. Um, Yes, and since then they have been (laughs) just constantly blocking train lines in this coal port, like making life a menace for for, for the owners of the coal port. It's been terrific. This morning, they had their 17th action with uh, Adrian, who I'm not entirely sure what it means, but I'll I'll read the thing. So they have, Adrian has done it. He's pressed the big red button. This means the world's largest coal port is shut down until they find him and the button. This is the ninth consecutive day of disruption to the port and rail network. This... Yesterday, a rail network owner in an interview said Blockade Australia is a sophisticated, well-organised, well-financed criminal group. What does that make Australia? We know who the real criminals are. They sit in the boardrooms and the halls of parliament. Adrian asks, who will own our clean energy future? If we want a future that can be described in any way as clean, we need to come together now and use sustained direct action to shut down the destructive operations of this criminal group, Australia. Uh... Yeah, there's been some good actions, um, you know, just just stopping the um, the perpetrators, um, you know, like the uh, the coal miners, and um, st- you know, uh, hitting the the, um, the the coal barons where it hurts the most. It hurts them the most in the uh, bottom pocket. So the only way to make them listen. That's right, and. Uh, yeah, so uh, it's been been good actually. Every day they've been at it, so uh, good on them. Yeah, leading up so to like, other than Adrian, we have Emily also took action yesterday uh, by locking her arm into a pipe in a rail line. Um, then before that, we had Claire who has tied themselves to a tree on the rail line. Uh, so it's a bit complicated to say, but basically, if the train runs over them they fall down and die or get injured um and then before claire we had a 64 year old grandfather who stopped all coal supply to the world's largest coal port for another three hours this afternoon um yeah so heaps of action just yeah 17 so far and relentless i haven't seen any any reason they would stop so far it's it's pretty great (laughs) Good on them, good on them. And now also, we, we've got a story here. And the, the, this is what happens when uh, conservationists stand up and fight back. There's been a, a landmark win as uh, Gardens of Stone in New South Wales Blue Mountains is protected. Um, I think uh, you're all over this one, weren't you, Dan? 
Kind of, but uh, yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> conservationists have hailed the extension of protection of the Gardens of Stone, a region of dramatic rock formations and rare wildlife in the Blue Mountains that has long been threatened by coal mines. The New South Wales government is set to announce on Saturday a $50 million plan, $50 million plan to transfer about 31,500 hectares of state forest and other crown land west of Sydney into a state conservation area. The area is home to the endangered giant dragonfly and purple copper butterfly. Delicate alpine swamps and sand and ironstone rocks weathered into pagoda-like formations. That's the beauty of the place, and every bit of its thrill to discover, said Keith Muir, a former director of the Kolong Foundation for Wilderness, who began campaigning for its protection almost 30 years ago. It's a fantastic achievement to get that money through Cabinet for this reserve. Julie Favell and Chris Jonkers from the Lithgow Environment Group, who have also campaigned for many years to protect the region, say they are, say they are humbled and overjoyed by the announcement. It's a storybook of nature, Favell said. Their efforts were pr prompted by the discovery of dying swamps caused by subsidence from an underground coal mine in the area. Once we found the first swamp that was damaged, honestly in our hearts, we couldn't walk away without fighting, Favell said. It was a passion and it was just heart-wrenching. I mean, it's still heart-wrenching. They have opposed plans for other mines in the regions, including open-cut ones, often speaking out in hostile public gatherings. It's one of the worst feelings walking into a room that's divide-and-conquer feeling. We always felt we were losing, but we still fought, Favell said. Adding members of her group would often rush home after the meetings, fearing their homes would be damaged by pro-coal locals. Maddie McLean, Senior Vice President of the Blue Mountains Conservation Society, said it was the campaign to save the Gardens of Stone that got her interested in environmental activism. It just seems so unfair and so wrong, I guess, that this area was not being protected, given the richness of the plants and animals and the incredible landscape, she said. The challenge now would be ensuring that that the expected influx to areas such as the Lost City and other rock formations, as well as indigenous rock sh shelters and other heritage at the uh, Maragu, uh, oh, Maingu Maragu Aboriginal place. Can be managed, McLean said. For Muir, it's a crowning achievement of his career to know that many more people will get to experience what he has on his countless walks in the area. Clambering down narrow, narrow defiles and, you know, walking around a corner and discovering an overhang or a ferny glade or a canyon, wading through a creek and discovering groves of huge trees and trickling streams, Muir said. Every bit of it is a thrill to discover, and that's the beauty of it, he said. That's why you and me and everybody keeps going back there, because it's always different. It's great. Much much better than an open coal, <laughs> open coal mine pit, you know? Like, sounds like a wonderful... It's beautiful out, out in the Blue Mountains. Uh, just don't go there in June, July or August. <laughs> <laughs> Giant dragonfly and purple copper butterfly. Yeah. Those sound like really magical creatures. They are. Yeah, and I, I suppose it makes you think about all the place, all the uh, environments that have already been destroyed How by many existing coal we've mines. Lost. Yeah, species, pla just places in general. The the history that would have been burned into that country over the millions of years that it has existed, and uh, which have now just been dug up t to burn some coal for a bit and choke the planet uh, yes and that is of course uh, part of the reason why uh, what 
Blockade Australia is doing is so important and I commend them for that. Uh, and now we are going to talk about some more workers' action and we have something from the Geelong Regional Library staff who we've talked about on the show a fair few times already. It's been going on for a while, but now they are staging a 24-hour strike. Uh, that is in two days on Thursday. Uh, t- so, And they also have a um, donation thing. Uh, so if you go to the Services Union Facebook page, you should hopefully be able to find that to help the uh, staff um, make sure they don't, like run out of money or anything because strikes sometimes lead to that library workers and community members will also be having a solidarity barbecue and rally out the front of the Geelong Library and Heritage Centre from 12.30pm onwards on the day of the strike, that is Thursday the 18th. Now that sounds good that's got me written all over and I'm nearly tempted (laughs) to drive down there just for that. Solidarity barbecue and rally Oh yeah. Oh that's that's heaven isn't it? (laughs) Oh, the place to be, 12.30pm 12, onwards, Thursday, 18th of November. Fantastic. Yeah, so after months of less drastic industrial actions, such as wearing badges and short stop works, union members have decided that their only option is to undertake a 24-hour strike across the whole library service to make their voices heard. Any donations and additional supporters at the barbecue rally on the 18th of November will hugely strengthen that fight and be massively appreciated. Hell yeah. Um, and next we've got an update from the RTBU bill. Yeah, from down in New South Wales. So they're, they're, wanting, they're calling on the government to uh, come clean on a future transport uh, project. Uh, the New South Wales government must come clean about the future of New South Wales transport projects in the state following reports uh, today that major transport projects would likely need to be scrapped or changed due to a multi-billion dollar funding shortfall that the government was warned about last year. RTBU New South Wales Secretary Alex Classens has said the community and workers deserve to know what the government is actually capable of delivering and called for a, for, for a forensic review of all planned works to be conducted and released, including for a projects like the new regional fleet and the new inner city fleet, which workers have serious concerns about. So, yeah, that's the union standing up for their workers. They've, they've, uh, um, their media person, Hannah, has, uh, sent us a, a wonderful update and keeps us informed with what they're doing down there. And I just want to note that uh, one of the, the, the things that they're doing so well down there is um, educating the community about what they're, they're, what's important to their members. So they're educating. They, they did a really good campaign about when it came to that strike recently, educating the community why the strike was happened, and also here on this occasion, educating or or, or 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 planning to educate the community on what the government's up to in future transport projects. So, um, good work, RTBU at New South Wales. Right. Right. Well, uh, what else? We've got another one that we could rush through. I think uh, what was that one? Oh, SA Health Heroes. Uh, disability support workers take a statewide action over threat of uh, privatisations. Uh, yeah. So t- 
today thousands oh that's yesterday uh, of essential health workers from more than 45 hospitals health and aged care facilities across south australia will take action in their fight against privatization and attacks on their job security uh, since april essential workers in health and disability support services have been taking various actions and work bans in response to concerns about job cuts and privatization uh, in a major escalation today, thousands more essential workers, including hospital cleaners, patient service assistants, disability support workers, catering workers, sterilisation technicians, aged carers and community care workers will implement indefinite work actions. These work actions highlight the conditions faced by workers and the impact on the community, including chronic understaffing, exposing paid overtime and work health and safety issues such as access to PPE. Um, Work bans include notifications of every unfilled shift, overtime bans on routinely expected additional work, and notifications about work areas that have not been cleaned due to understaffing. The actions have been carefully designed to ensure patient and resident safety will not be compromised. Uh, yeah. yeah, good on the United Workers' Union down in South Australia organising. Uh, they're very important workers, uh, disability support workers, and... Uh, worth their weight in gold but they're not paid they're paid you know in, in, in their weight in copper more likely well geez <laughs> cro crikey copper's expensive these days but um yeah yes uh um so good on uh, once again the united workers union uh, organizing in the workplace there now we just finished with our workers action and we are moving on to some international workers action and we've got a story that bill's very excited about i am because it's a problem here 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 in our country so uh, portugal bans bosses calling you outside of work hours Hell love yeah. it Hell love yeah. it love yeah. it okay ever had a persistent boss who won't stop messaging once you've left work or logged off in Portugal, that behaviour is now illegal. As the, it should be. As it should. The country recently introduced a law that bans employers from contacting workers outside of their regular hours by phone, message or email. The employer must respect the privacy of the worker, including periods of rest and family time, the new law stipulates. Any violation, it continues constitute a serious offence and could result in a fine. A similar rule gave French workers the right to ignore after-hours business emails in 2017. Portugal's new policy is part of legislation that regulates working from home. Employees now have the right to opt out of remote work should they do so wish but they can also request the arrangement if it's compatible with their job. All right, so, yeah, there's, there's, there's a bit more. But that, that, the, 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 Portugal has been led by a socialist government for six years, though Prime Minister Antonio Costa could be pushed out of power early next year. See, these are the types of things you get when you've got... You know, a bit more left-leaning government, and and too right. You know, like uh, your bosses, you shouldn't be it's getting your day it. off. It's your yeah. day off. You shouldn't have to be doing work, and having to contact your boss back and forth counts as working from home. So you should be able to enjoy your day off. And also, like this, this law would allow you. You you can choose to to contact your boss if you want, but like they can't continue to harass you. 
Yeah, yeah, and with the, with the um, different messaging platforms and things like that, and uh, some some workplaces they expect you to be part of a Facebook group, and uh, and they put uh, notifications up on that. No, no, that's 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 just not on, you know. Um, um, and this sort of thing is a necessary response into the way, just like how we work has changed over the pandemic. Yeah, and and they want us there. They they even like we we know in retail they try and get get you to do training in your own time. Yeah, your your boss has access to you twenty four seven, so it's like you're never really off the clock. Yeah, well, um, yeah, we've got news for 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 those bosses, eh? And uh, yeah, well, no, we've got no news for them because you just ignore them. Well, well. Yes, uh, you know, especially if you're if you're just a uh, you know w- w- you know wage earner. Um, yeah, steer clear of uh, contacting your boss outside of work hours. Uh, get them to talk to you during work hours. That's the way it should be. Okay, we've got a, a, another... Oh, independents vote to proceed on December the 12th in Kanakay. This comes to us from Susan Price of Green Left Weekly. France's High Commissioner to Kanaki, New Caledonia, Patrice Four, has announced that the nation's referendum on self-determination will proceed on December 12th, despite calls from independence forces for a delay until next year. According to Asia Pacific Report, pro-independence parties have called on Paris to postpone the vote to the second half of 2022 because of the impact of the COVID-19 outbreak, which has claimed more than 270 lives, mostly Melanesian. The pro-independence parties said they would not respect the result of independence referendum if France retains the, the December 12th date. Nick McAleon reports in Island Business that the decision to proceed with the referendum has angered the Kanak Independence Coalition, Front de Liberation Nationale Kanak S Socialiste. Speaking on radio after the announcement, spokesperson Daniel Goh confirmed, We are not involved in this referendum because the health and social conditions are not suitable for it to be held in serenity and peace. Victor Tutugoro, president of Union Progressist Melanesian, one of the four parties in the coalition, told Island Business that even in the, if the health situation has improved compared to a month ago, many Kanak and other islanders are in mourning for their dead. Many are still fearful of the virus as they have moved around. This is why we wanted to post the postponement of the vote. Tutagoro says that the FLNKS and all other independence parties would call on the all independence supporters not to participate. This position is supported not just by the FLNKS, but the Kanak Customary Senate, um, the Trade Union Confederation, the Party Travelliste, everyone. However, the announcement has been welcomed by the anti-independence parties who argue the country needs clarity, according to APR. Two previous independence referendums in 2018 and 2020 were narrowly lost, but the pro-independence parties increased their vote and were gaining momentum before the COVID-19 pandemic. Pro-independence figures have been subjected to social media threats and threats of physical violence, according to APR, in a campaign designed to manipulate the country's youth and sow instability. MacLean wrote that the timing of the referendum is also driven by domestic French politics. France will hold its presidential elections in April and May, followed by elections for the French National Assembly with President Emmanuel Macron seeking re-election and facing strong competition from extreme right uh, leaders like Marine Le Pen and Eric Zemmour. A law and order campaign on the other side of the globe may appeal to conserve voters. 
Right on. Yeah. So uh, in Kanaki, otherwise known as New Caledonia, there was a like a war for independence back in the 19-somethings. Uh, and it ended with them agreeing to hold a referendum years later. Uh, and this is the outcome of that. Uh, they lost the first two referendums, but this uh, this one coming up is going to happen, um, despite the fact that they don't want it to because of the COVID pandemic. Um, so it's being like pushed by the French government because the it will most likely come out in favour of them uh, due to the health issues. Uh, and but hopefully the independence movement can uh, force uh, some change, for something different to happen by doing whatever they do, uh, boycotting the vote a referendum and all that. Now, we are very quickly reaching the end of the show and we still haven't done Scallywag of the Week, but before that, on events, just a reminder, this Saturday, 20th, um, I can't remember the time. when, when 11am. 11 a.m. at King George Square is the uh, Pose the Anti-Vax Far-Right Rally being organised by Campaign Against Racism and Fascism Brisbane. And if you want to find out more about that, listen to our show from two weeks ago uh, where we interviewed uh, some of the organisers. Um, and there's a secure gig on Friday night as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll be sharing those on, on our uh, Facebook page uh, uh, over the next couple of days, both of those events. So, uh, yeah, uh, go and check it out there. Oh, uh, and, of course, we've got the Friday 10 a.m. picket out, uh, outside of uh, Little, Little Real, Real Estate. Estate. Uh, lovely. Now, Scallywag of the Week. Dan. Scallywag of the Week. You've got one of my old foes here, Dan. Maybe, yes. It goes to Stephen Kane, the CEO of Coles for underpaying workers for the last six years. Supermarket, supermarket chain Coles will pay back workers a sum of $20 million after s- discovering it had underpaid employees for six years. A review of payments made under the General Retail Industry Award showed 5% of managers at its supermarket and liquor store divisions had been shortchanged. The company reportedly... Uh, owes supermarket managers $16 million and liquor store managers $4 million, including interest. I'm not going to read out the rest of it. They're going to run over. That's a lot of money. Stephen Kane, more like stealing for capital gain. Yeah, Yeah, look, we all know he's a grub. I've known he's a grub for many, many years and... uh, um, Yeah, yeah, Coles have a way of doing, of of underpaying, don't they? (laughs) Sure do, and and uh, yeah, for that they get uh, you know Stephen Kane gets a scallywag of the week. What a grub! What a grub! I think he's won uh, it before too. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, lovely. That was a good show. Good job. It's everyone. a great show. Yeah. Uh, now we are going to go th- now. Now stay tuned to listen to Brisbane Lines. Listen to some news. Some more news. Uh, and this we're going to a song now. See you next Tuesday. This is SUV by Chakra Effendi.